Episode 899. In a battle of elite quarterbacks, Tom Brady had the upper hand on Aaron Rodgers as the Packers dropped a second consecutive road game to fall behind to fall below 500 on the season. Is it desperation time? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> fans and welcome to railbird central at cheesehead tv coming to you live from wisconsin's capital city in madison here at b-rock bar and restaurant my name is brian Kirvu and i'm joined by my co-host ben hofferman ben how you doing today greetings did you yes did you vote yet today i voted you did yep i voted for you good If we have any listeners out there, I mean, it's it's eight o'clock now in Wisconsin. Polls are closed, right? Is that when they close? Is, yeah, yeah, eight o'clock. They're, yeah, they're, okay. They shut them down. Yeah, but I mean, we are broadcasting worldwide. So if there's anybody out there listening in in the Mountain Time Zone, in, in Pacific, in Hawaii, hold on, hold on. You're just gonna like flame up. Uh... All the, like, alt-right here, worldwide. You have to be an American citizen to vote in our democracy, Brian. I, I know, but I'm... You're going to stir up some controversy. Part of the world is outside the central time zone, even still in America. Yep, I'm about to go into that. <laughs> anyway, if you haven't voted, press pause on this podcast. Go do it. Break in. We just told them they're closed, and now you said, get out of your homes and go vote. <laughs> well, if they live in the Pacific time zone. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right. The time zone, that's a farce. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a lot to get to today. Um, start, ben, let's, let's start with your takeaways from a 31-17 to 17 loss. Oh, you want me to talk about the Packers? Because we got bigger problems than the Packers, all right? <laughs> Have you heard about this farce that it's 8 o'clock right now? What a bunch of fake news. Take a look outside and tell me it's 8 o'clock, you flat earthers. Bunch of garbage. That's issue number one, all right? Now let's talk about the pack. The pack of 5,000 clones of Luis Bracamontes barreling toward our border. Did you see that little fireside chat that took place in the second half, that, that little ad? Yeah, that's problem number two. I've heard plenty from Donald Trump about okay. the, uh, the, pa- the caravan coming right, toward yes, our the border. Caravan. Okay, back to the game where Robert Kraft was shown at a charity function wearing a T-shirt over his power collar and ruffling the head of a child against its will. Dear rich people, if you want to slum it for a day, if you want to blend in with the plebs, the T-shirt over the collar shirt isn't fooling anyone. <laughs> and if you want to please a child, talk to it like a person. Don't rub it like an alien coming across shade carpeting. <laughs> Those are my takeaways, Brian. So very, little, very few thoughts on the Packers. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, maybe for your 900th show, we'll celebrate it. I'll be less of a prima donna. But I don't get out of bed for less than a playoff team. All right? <laughs> I'm giving up. All righty, then. Um, can, can you, if I ask you I'm some questions up. about the Packers, okay, can fine. I? <laughs> fine, we'll celebrate early. This is your Christmas present. Okay, sounds good. Um, the, besides the game, which was, you know, obviously not a good outcome for the Green Bay Packers, uh, there was some uh, blowback today, or uh, uh, I don't know if I want to say blowback, react. I mean, the Packers made a few moves today. You're going to be quoted, quoted at blowback. <laughs> You said it twice. <laughs> they placed Geronimo Allison on injured reserve, and not only him, 
they released safety Jermaine Whitehead, the guy who was ejected for the game for slapping an opponent. Yeah, you can't. They're not taking any guff. No nonsense here, this coaching staff. That, which is why Fackrell is not going anywhere. As much as Fackrell is, is boring and doesn't produce, you know that that guy does not misbehave. Because he's a choir boy? He's, he's um, a yeah. choir boy. He's not going anywhere. No he's, way. He's a Mormon. Oh, he actually, he's actually... He's from BYU. I don't, I'm not trying to get political here. He's part of the Tabernacle Choir, perhaps. Yeah, we just lost our whole Mormon viewership, listenership. <laughs> anyway. That, they're big families. We can't lose them, Brian. I, so here's my question about, you know, the Packers releasing Jermaine Whitehead. Is, you know, released, you know, a, a move by general manager Brian Gutekunst. You know, when you take that into account along with, you know, Trading away Haha Clindix, trading away Ty Montgomery, is the general manager holding players accountable because the coaching staff will not? Oh, I'm sitting straight up when I'm watching the game, even. Otherwise, he's going to come in and just like turn off my Sanyo TV and be like, that's enough. Because he knows I, I didn't exercise that day or whatever it might be. But yeah, no, I think so. It's got to be something. There's got to be something more to Whitehead. Than that that one play, he must have been doing something in the locker room. Maybe he just really doesn't take any distractions. You got you got a little birdie telling you anything? Well, I'm just wondering, like, is is he is the general manager making up for the coaching staff? Is is this the a message by Brian Gutekunst because Mike McCarthy's not disciplining his players? Like they're I, doing playing poorly, and he just continues to put them out there, and everything continues the same. I hope that's not it, because that. That means McCarthy's gone. That means there's the, the rest of the season is really shot. You know, I'm kind of joking when I say I'm giving up because our division is it's poor. And we still got a shot at the division. We're not going to do anything in the playoffs, but there's a reason to watch. But not if, if there's that level of dysfunction going on. I sincerely hope that's not the case. I, I personally, I mean, I'm not too disappointed about the release of uh, Jermaine Whitehead. I don't think he was adding anything to the team anyway. No, that's not that big of a loss, no. Yeah. Not unless it's a sign of something deeper. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, getting back to the game itself uh, on Sunday, um, you know, we, we watched the Patriots' offense execute rather well. And one comment I made on social media during the game, I've never seen a team execute so-called trick plays with the casualness of the Patriots. Like most every other team I've watched in my life, whether it's college, pro, high school, whatever, they run a double reverse flea flicker. It's like, it's like, oh, let's get the ball out of here. We're running. Maybe everybody's nervous because they're running a trick play, but it's just like the Patriots, oh, we do this every day. Like it's running a trick plays like normal for a Bill Belichick coach team, and they can get it done like, like it's nothing. Yeah, there's, like you're saying, there's a lot of situations where a team is really overthinking it. Like at the end of a game when – when they're lateraling the ball around, everyone just, like, is in a panic. You yeah. Know? Like, like, they can't even do that. Like, children do that all the time, like, naturally. You know, they're just so <laughs> overthinking it. But, yeah, that's a sign of how well coached they are. That's, that's basically the deciding factor in the game for me. Yeah. Was they were able to look at the situation in the game and make adjustments on the fly. We just kept doing the same things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. We don't have the confidence to do something like that. We're not stretching our playbook at all. 
It just seems to me when you got a player like Aaron Rodgers, you should be able to execute a play with calm, coolness, and yeah, right. And the Packers can't. Not like the Patriots can. No, I agree, and I think it's coaching. No. Which I'm not. I'm not the kind of guy that's calling for McCarthy's head, but I agree that right there, there there's a gap. Let's get to our chips report as we do every week. What the hell's going on out here? Your blue chip players for this week, the best of the best. One of them goes to defensive lineman Mike Daniels. Your thoughts on him being maybe the best player on the field this game for the green and gold? I would agree with that. I think uh, I'm actually wondering if Clark and Daniels got their jerseys swapped because Clark <laughs> was nowhere to be found and Daniels was showing up kind of playing like uh, we're used to Clark playing yeah if, if if there are two of them i'm really looking forward to the day that they both shine on the same day because that's going to get interesting but he played well yeah uh by no means am i saying like mike daniels played poorly earlier in the season but kenny clark was kind of the superior player it seemed like Definitely. uh but then this week uh, i mean mike daniels only had two tackles but you know we are talking about an interior defensive lineman here. They're not going to have a ton of tackles. But he did have a sack for a loss of 10 yards. And uh, he helped open up the sack for Antonio Morrison by uh, kind of uh, gobbling up a blocker there and uh, helping uh, many times uh, blow up the run game for the Patriots when they tried to run you know, between the tackles. Yeah, you're looking for that push, getting into their back field making them feel nervous i mean we didn't really do a good job of that on yeah. the whole but daniels did his job yeah and he pushed the pocket backwards into brady a few times too yeah agreed yeah uh your other blue chip player from this game i have rookie wide receiver marquez valdez scantling the second 100 yard receiving game of his career and the second in two out of the past three weeks yeah he I agree that you got to give him the, the blue chip this week. I'm just, I'm still hesitant on it because he got, we're talking about a guy that got three catches. He's basically our number two receiver right now, which I, he's being thrust into that position, so I'm not holding that against him. But, you know, he's seeing 80, he saw 81% of our offensive snaps and he touched the ball three times. And while I was tickled by the athleticism he showed on the sideline on that crab, that was fantastic. And the speed he showed on that 51 yard bomb, it's just, the fact that the number of times that Rodgers had all day and no one was getting open. You know, I, I'm not seeing that separation there yet. I, I'm impressed, but I'm still, my optimism's grounded just by that fact. Yeah, I, I get it. He was targeted six times, three receptions for 101 yards. That's a 33.7-yard average. The 51-yard bomb is, you know, with the really good play of the day. But he seems to be the best deep threat the Packers have had since, I would say, Jordy Nelson was in his prime. I mean, I just haven't seen this from anyone else. A player that can stretch the defense from uh, uh, as a Green Bay Packers wide receiver. Yeah. Do you think we were running him deep enough then? I mean, you could argue you could. he should have been doing it more, but I mean, the odds of completing... Oh yeah, 51-yard. We're, <laughs> we're not looking for that, but I don't know. I'd... Yeah. If you can do it twice a game... That'd yeah. be good. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's, maybe they got to get. I mean, the dude's fast. I mean, you can get him the ball in his hands on on short roads too, and see if he can beat somebody. You know, with the ball in his hands. Yeah, I'm. I still, Devonte is clearly our number one. You know, and I and I don't see him even coming close to pushing for that. So I'm. But yeah, yeah he's showing a lot of growth. I'm looking forward to what he's going to do next. Your red chip players, the good, maybe not great. One of them going to rookie cornerback Josh Jackson. 
I thought he played a solid game. Uh, he had that one play where he looked bad um, with the, that Patriots clinching touchdown where he crashed down with Jair, leaving Tremont to, to come in on the safety help to cover Gordon all by himself. He glanced up with that arm tackle. That was a, the, a bad play all around. But that was when the Patriots kind of had our, our code fit cracked. You know, but outside of that, he played solid. He had that one really uh, good pass defense across the middle, and he, he never, you know, let a guy open. He was, not, he was, he was our strong suit back there. Yeah, uh, only two tackles on the day, but two pass breakups, and one of them coming in the end zone that I thought, you know, potentially, you know, uh, prevented six points for the Patriots. And uh, going a step in the right direction, I remember we were – it was the first or second game of the year, Josh Jackson really he had an interception. Uh, I think it was the season opener. Looked really good. Kind of went in the doldrums for a while, and now he comes back. Let's get some turnovers. I, that I, would be nice. You know, we were talking about that last week. I wasn't so much as the, uh, you know, every week you get someone on here that really knows what they're talking about. I forget who that was last week, but he was calling for some turnovers, and I agree. Like, we're seeing some good defensive play. We got to. Something's got to bounce our way one of these times. I would hope so. Your other red chip player from this week, linebacker Antonio Morrison. He stepping into the role when, especially when Blake Martinez had to come out of the game. Uh, he was the inside linebacker uh, of choice for the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I thought he stepped in and uh, did well. Yeah, I mean, Brady, come on. He machadoed him hardcore. That was, how was that not roughing the ankle or something? But... <laughs> I'm, I'm literally scared of Antonio Morrison. He came in, and he was so amped and so ready for playing time. I thought he was for sure going to whitehead himself into the showers. And, like, I do not want to meet that man. He's got some energy. Yeah. Um, you, you know, Antonio Morrison's final stat line of the day, uh, seven tackles. Of course, the one sack for Tom Brady, kind of his highlight of the day for 11 yards. Uh, gets that one quarterback hit, uh, gets a special teams tackle uh, as well, so that's really good for him. Uh, but I thought what was particularly notable is he did this only playing 31 snaps on defense, which is 44% of the time. So he didn't play nearly as much as the other players on the team, and he still finished with the second most tackles. Do you see him getting more snaps now because of that, or do you think it's still Martinez until he... I don't know what you do when you're in the backup. Yeah, that, that's a good question. I mean, certainly when it's a running down, you can have two true inside linebackers on the field. You know, they just go to these guys who are these safety hybrid linebackers to play on the passing downs because they can play the pass so much better. Guys like Jermaine Whitehead was basically the de facto second inside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, Josh Jones has played that role. Uh, Oren Burks has played that role. But maybe now that Jermaine Whitehead's gone, maybe Antonio Morrison does play more now. I thought Morrison played really well as long as he could follow that one assignment, that first assignment. He was playing aggressive and playing well. But then once the Patriots started doing some of that misdirection, I mean, most of our team was kind of lost at that point. Yeah. We were, we were really aggressive on that first, first, but we were not playing with discipline. Yeah. So I don't know if maybe Martinez has still got him on the edge there, but we'll see. Yeah. My, uh, Martinez, by the way, of course, you know, came out of the game, turned his ankle. I mean, maybe it, it sounds like, you know, he's, he's not going on injured reserve. I don't – sounds like he may be back for this week, but he could be limited. We'll see.
Uh, the couch chip players, the worst of the worst from the Green Bay Packers. One of them, Nick Perry, finished with one tackle on the day. Uh, I mean, it's more of a factor of him not doing anything. I mean, uh, normally this is a guy who, you know, he's he's always been a better run defender than pass rusher, but I don't think he even did that well this week. I saw him end up on the ground on several occasions. We are going backwards with uh, Nick Perry. Definitely. And he is quickly climbing the ladder of all-time Wisconsin sports busts considering his contract. He recently uh, skipped two or three rungs. Um, he's past Jeff Supon. He's closing in on tractor trailer, and uh, he has a dream of one day sharing Arby's in the broken hot tub of standing water that Tony Mandrich soaks in behind his house. <laughs> That's quite the analysis. Yeah, he, well, he's getting there. He's I mean, get- if you look at his contract and you start looking at his play, then you're really he's 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 big time bust right now. <laughs> he- Let's hope he can step it up. Yeah. Uh, Nothing I'm, against the guy, but he might be eating Arby's with Mandridge. <laughs> Your other couch hit player from this week, uh, rookie inside linebacker Oren Burks, who will look, just look like a fish out of water the first drive of the game when the Patriots were exposing him, and he get, ran into another, I think he ran into a defensive back, ended up on the ground. Tom Brady was picking on him, going to James White. And he couldn't get off the field because the Patriots were going no huddle, so the Packers couldn't even sub him out. When you when I saw your your couch chip uh, going to Oren Burks, I was like, "What do you got against the guy that invented popcorn?" It, like, and I was like, "Oh, Oren Burks is a is a football player." Like, I didn't even know he was on the field. That's how little he did. Yeah. You know, unless you were like, well, na- they, after the first drive, they took him out for. Yeah, I know. But just like I didn't even realize he played. <laughs> He did nothing. Yeah. Um, uh, dishonorable mention to Bashad Breland, and I do have to acknowledge that Bashad Breland was put in a tough situation. He's not even with the team in the offseason. They sign him basically as the regular season starts. He doesn't, you know, for two months he's just practicing and not playing, and the very first time he's even active for a game, he gets the start and has got to play on the road against Tom Brady in New England. I mean, that's a tall task for any player. Yeah, but I, he had a play where he literally pass interfered from, from snap to whistle. It was incredible. That one where he, they finally called the P.I. in the end zone, that replay was incredible. He was holding him the whole time. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I agree it's a bad position, but, I mean, cheap at moments, not the whole time. Just a tip, you know? Fair enough. Uh, if you don't pay for your taxes, pay for your dinner. You know, pay pay your rent. Like, if you don't pay anything, they're going to catch you real quick. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. We're going to uh, come back shortly and talk to uh, Nathan Yonke of Pro Football Focus. Before we do, tonight's episode of Railbird Central is unsurprisingly brought to you by B-Rock, which is the place to watch Packer games here in Madison, if you can believe that. There are food and drink specials for customers, including the tailgate beer rock on the food menu, stuffed with bratwurst, cheese curds, and sauerkraut inside a freshly baked dough. It's available only on Packers and Badgers game days. As for drinks, there are $3 bottles of Lombardi Golden Ale, $1 off all Hinterland and Titletown taps, plus $7 Bloody Marys, so make sure to stop by and spend your game day with beer rock. 
And with that, we'll take a break here. We're going to get Nathan Yonke on the phone, talk some Packers, and we'll be right back. Railbird Central is back, and right now we're joined by Nathan Yonke of Pro Football Focus. Nathan, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. We're glad to have you on the phone. Glad to talk some Packers football. Nathan analyzes the Packers for Pro Football Focus from a statistical perspective. And Nathan, can you pinpoint the biggest reason why Aaron Rodgers' completion percentage is down compared to earlier in his career? This has been a big talking point among Packers fans this week. Uh, Sure. While his completion percentage is down, I don't think that's because he's throwing the ball any less accurately. I think it has to do with how often he's throwing the ball away. He is doing it at a historic rate. Um, We have him at 39 passes thrown away so far this season which is already a career high for him, and he still has half the season to go. Um, It would have led the league last year for all quarterbacks, so I think uh, throwaways are a big reason for that. If you take into account things like throwaways, spikes, drops, he's actually uh, having his fourth best season in terms of an adjusted completion percentage when you take away some of those passes that aren't supposed to be aimed at a receiver, which I think you can uh, point to his injury for a lot of that. And he's getting out of the pocket less often. He's trying to do make fewer plays than he was before, which on the downside, there are situations where he probably could have made a play and could have had a successful throw rather than a throw away. But he's also cut down on his bad throws this year. He only has uh, two interceptions so far this season. He's making fewer inaccurate passes as well. So I think he's just making the most of a bad situation with his injury. You really paint a good picture with that because uh, <laughs> there there are many times where I think a lot of fans want him to uh, you know not throw it away quite as much and uh, try to find somebody even if it does land incomplete. But anyway, um, Nathan, elsewhere on the offensive side of the football, I thought both guards struggled for the Packers the past, not just this week, but the past two weeks. Is this a product of playing good teams or are these two guards for the Green Bay Packers Lane Taylor and Byron Bell below replacement level? I think it's a little bit of a mix of the two. I think uh, go back to two weeks ago, uh, Lane Taylor didn't play well, but all his bad plays came up against Aaron Donald, who uh, arguably is the best player in the NFL. So can give him a little bit of a pass for going up against such strong performance. Um, in week nine, he also didn't play um, above average there. He did have a couple of nice plays in the run game, but um, it was a little more bad than good. Um, over the course of the season, he's not playing well, not playing as well as he did these past two seasons, but is still playing better than a number of guards in the league. And um, at least at this point of the season, I'm not sure the Packers would find an alternative. So hopefully Taylor finds a way to step things up the rest of the season. Um, Bell, on the other hand, this past week, uh, he allowed seven pressures, had a penalty, uh, didn't play that well in the run game either. Um, looking back at some of the Packers' guards, Josh Sid and T.J. Lang, um, neither of them ever had a game where they allowed seven pressures in a game. So uh, Bell really isn't performing that well. Uh, we've seen it in other places in his career as well. So um, if I were the Packers, I'd probably rather see Justin McRae get another chance at right guard going forward. Yeah, we'll see. McCray wasn't even active this past week. Of course, he, you know, did have an injury at one point. You got to wonder how much that's lingering. But let's take a look at the defensive side of the football, Nathan. If the Packers' defensive line is so good, 
you know, with Mike Daniels, with Clanny Clark, with earlier in the season when they had a healthy Muhammad Wilkerson. You know, why isn't the Packers' defense as a whole a whole lot better? Uh, sure. I think uh, part of that is how the outside linebackers have been playing this year. For how good the two interior defenders have been playing, the outside linebackers have been playing about equally as bad. So um, if you average those all out, it's about an average front four for the team. Um, part of Kenny Clark in particular, what makes him so impressive, particularly as a pass rusher, is he's doing it from the nose tackle position, from a place where you don't expect much pressure. So even though he's uh, far outperforming a number of other nose tackles in the league, you'd still rather see an edge player getting more pressure than a nose tackle getting more pressure since there's going to be a bigger gap of how much pressure the edge defender can get. And a lot of times that can be more effective as well. So I think part of it is because the outside linebackers aren't living up to their expectations. And then I think part of that as well is uh, the run defense as a whole. While um, both of them are playing well, they're both better pass rushers than run defenders. And a lot of other players on the run defense aren't performing particularly well this season. I don't think uh, the linebackers are playing that well against the run. Same with the safeties. So you really need an entire defense along with uh, defensive tackles to play well. And I think you just need uh, more of a complete defense than what the Packers currently are performing with. In the defensive backfield, Nathan, are we learning anything from where Josh Jackson lines up on the field, the perimeter versus the slot? Because he played a lot of slot this week. I know he played a little bit more outside earlier in the season. Uh, Sure. So far this season, they've used him mostly in the slot. Um, Outside week four, he was their left cornerback for the whole game, so he played a lot out wide then. Uh, Even this past week, he played 11 snaps outside. So he's seen a lot of uh, experience on both positions, and I think he's been playing about equally well at both so far. Um, He's graded out better uh, by us in the slot, but I think part of that is he's had a couple missed tackles when he's lined up outside, and I don't think that really has anything to do with where he's lining up. I think that just happened to be where he missed his tackles. So um, looking at his stats, like his catch rate, his yards per catch, all of those align similarly to general trends you see for cornerbacks in the slot and out wide. So I think the Packers are fine seeing him in either location, just depending on uh, who's healthy amongst the rest of the defensive backs. But I think he has been playing well enough that I'd like to see him getting uh, more snaps in their nickel defense, even if everyone is healthy. Yeah, well, he certainly had a good game this week, so there's a good chance of that. Um, Nathan, let's take stock of the safety position now. One week after HaHa ha Clinton Dix was traded away, how did the likes of guys like Tremont Williams, Kentrell Bryce, Josh Jones, and Jermaine Whitehead do in this game? I know Whitehead's gone now. Uh, yeah, in coverage, I don't think anyone stood out too much to me. Um, if anything, Bryce did, since he didn't really have anything noteworthy, positive or negative. And when you're a safety and that happens, that's fine. But it was on a pretty small sample size. Um, everyone else by us had one more negatively graded play than positively graded one. And then uh, in the run game, Josh Jones in particular stood out for having uh, two run stops. Um, in 2017, outside of a bad stretch early in the season, Jones was playing well against the run. So I think it would be good to see Jones a little bit more on early downs than we've been seeing throughout this year. Um, Clinton Dix was someone who made a lot of big plays at safety this year, 
and had a lower rate of bad plays at safety than any of these guys really had in this game. So while I don't think anyone quite lived up to how good Clinton Dix was playing, I don't think anyone was playing overly poorly. And then uh, Whitehead had the penalty. And with um, how he was playing earlier in the year, it's a little understandable why he could be cut. Well, maybe Josh Jones will see more playing time too now that Whitehead is gone. Uh, finally, Nathan, before we let, go, let you go, what, what matchup are you looking forward to when watching the Packers-Dolphins game this weekend? Uh, I'm particularly interested in Cameron Wake, their defensive left end, uh, someone who's had a great career for them. Uh, has been slowing down a little bit near the end of his career, but has been playing at an all-pro level these past couple weeks. Um, two weeks ago against Houston, he had six stops on 33 snaps. So while he wasn't always on the field, when he was on the field, he was making plays. Uh, this past week against the Jets, two sacks, two hits, five hurries. Um, he's someone who always winds up on that left side. So I know Brian Bulaga is uh, up in the air felt play this week, last I heard. So... I think that'll be a pretty big story of if he's able to play or not. Since uh, outside of one notable bad play against Trey Flowers against the Patriots, uh, he's been playing pretty consistently over these past five games or so. So um, if he is able to play, I think that'll be a big matchup. And if he's not able to play, I think that'll be an area where the Packers will have to be concerned. Jason Spriggs will have his hands full. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your insight and your input. Take care, okay? No problem. Thanks again, as always, for having me. You bet. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Tuesday evening here at B-Rock, and it's time for our mailbag. We're joined once again by Ben Hofferman. Ben, did you vote again? Oh, I voted. I'm voting. I'm voting Nathan Yankee. If that guy knows any more about football, he's going to forget how to chew. <laughs> My God. Yeah, that's his life. He's, uh, he's his livelihood. He's good at it. Just unlike us, who are just schmucks one, once a week talking football. Yeah, but we had a couple good Mormon singers. Huh? <laughs> Did you mention Mormons at all? No. All right. Question from Peter Isles on Twitter. Aaron Rodgers' numbers are down across the board except for yards. Is it the receivers or his knee that's ca- causing this downturn? Before we get to that question, I would just like to point out that he just got a woo from the audience. That's how much he's been on the show. <laughs> Have I gotten any woos? No. Peter Owls is getting woos. Oh, <laughs> he, my goodness. He makes an appearance every week during the mailbag Ridiculous. section. Ridiculous. All right, but anyway, thank you for listening. Um, I think I got to go with the receivers. I don't think his knee... His knee isn't affecting his mobility to me right now. It's his, affecting his quickness. Like, he, he'll make a move, and he's not getting yeah. there as quickly. But I just, I, I'm not seeing the separation. And I think, as, as, uh, as uh, Mr. Genius Nathan Yankee pointed out, his throwaway percentage, he, does, he either doesn't trust them or he is not on the same page with them. So he's given up on plays. He's, he's throwing the ball away. He's, I mean, he's got one pick on the year. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's playing well, but, like, it, how much of that is just being really conservative? So I, I just think it's, it's the receivers, and I think he's, he's not forcing it. There's just a lot less going on. We can go back to a debate that's very old with, you know, Brett Favre versus Aaron Rodgers. You know, do you, do you like Aaron Rodgers better, the conservative player who avoids turnovers, which are costly, or the more boomer bust Brett Favre who – tries to make a lot of plays and, and maybe makes more plays because he's more, you know, willing to go out on a limb. 
oh, I'm going Rodgers all day on that one. But I just, I just think that uh, that's, that's what's limiting his numbers. If you're saying, why are his numbers down? It's because he's, he's throwing the ball away. You know, yeah. he's not going to have yards. He's not going to have completions. I mean, he's not, his QB rating is not going to be good. His, turn, his touchdown to turnover rate's incredible. But, yeah, yeah the rest of his numbers are going to suffer because of that. It's really conservative. we got a conservative offense, you know. Him and McCarthy, how is there friction there? Those two should be wearing corduroy pants together and <laughs> watching Frazier and sipping ginger ale. I mean, they should be getting along great with this conservative play. <laughs> Another question, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Question. We got a lot of Aaron Rodgers questions this week from Mike Pesky on Twitter. Based on Aaron Rodgers' struggles, do you think right guard and right tackle have to be the number one focuses of the offseason, even at the expense of other needs like tight end, safety, edge rusher, etc.? I wouldn't go that far. I, I want an edge rusher. I would actually even lean towards a, a, a flashier whiteout. But, I mean, I don't know, I guess. I mean, the O-line needs there. I don't think the O-line's playing that poorly, that that's like got to be our number one concern. Do you? No, uh, I do think they need to address right guard. Parti- I mean, you yes. got to address in the offseason what the future of Brian Balaga is. I mean, right. if he, he could have one more good season in him, for all I know. We'll kind of see how the rest of the season plays out. they got to address right guard somehow. Um, d- is it at the expense of other positions? I'm not exactly sure. I mean... At some point, with the depth that safety is right now, they got to spend in one of those two draft choices there, I think. I definitely don't want us to be focusing on tight end. Like, we've yeah. been ra- wasting so many resources on tight ends. We've been getting <laughs> washed up tight ends. We've been, you know, getting, we've been drafting tight end yeah. high, but it's like, just forget the tight end for a while. I, I think Anyone Jimmy Graham's doing fine. He's fine, yeah, he's yeah. fine. He's not. He's not the Jimmy Graham of old. I yeah. think that's what a lot of people are expecting. Yeah, yeah. they're bummed out yeah. by. All right. From Beck Loves One on Twitter, I would love to hear about Aaron's role in the losses. Is he spending too much time searching for number 17? With so many new wide receivers, is he managing them too much and thus not concentrating enough on who is open? I'm just going to repeat myself. But I, I mean, like we are kind of, I mean, we're addressing Aaron Rodgers so much. We're touching on material we've already I don't got know, to before. I don't know if he's, he's focusing too much on Adams. I don't think that's it so much. Again, he's playing conservative, and he's, and he's opting to throw it out. Um, there's a lot. This is a team where there's a, there's a lot of fault to go around, you know. The, the whiteouts aren't getting separation to me. The, the O-line will break down every once in a while. You know, Aaron Rodgers is playing conservatively. Like, every once, you know, one of those will happen every every so often. Sometimes it happens, and that's like your whole drive, you know. Like, I don't – I'm not going to say he's focusing too much on Adams, though. He's he, spreading the ball around, in, in my mind. Yeah, I mean, there are just simply times more often now this year than we saw earlier in his career where he's just off in general. Like, he is overthrowing or underthrowing or – wide of this target or whatever and that to me is a little concerning yeah i agree like there's there's all, every week there's been plays you can look at and you're like i can't believe he, he kind of missed that one you yeah know? Like, <laughs> when we've seen him make it so many times in the past like specifically in this last one that one that uh bounced to adams they went and reviewed it and they're like oh that wasn't a catch yeah that was entirely aaron Rodgers missing that yeah. throw and there are there's plays like that every week 
which, yeah, so he, he gets a share of it. I'm not, you know. Yeah, no doubt about it. From Bryce Christensen on Twitter, who's to blame for the Packers at 3-4-1 right now? And they're 24-25-1 in the last 50 games. Is it Mark Murphy? Is it Ted Thompson? Mike McCarthy? Aaron Rodgers? Asking for a friend. What? Are we done blaming Olivia uh, Munn? <laughs> yeah. Are we done with that? I'm, I'm, I'm still on the Munn. It's her. Danica Patrick? Oh, no, she's a doll. She's a peach. <laughs> Do you want to assign blame to any one of these uh, men in charge of the Green Bay Packers? Well, it's easy to blame Ted Thompson because he's clearly like Satan's uncle <laughs> or something, you know? Like, I mean, think not, so? that he's, not that he's evil, I mean, he, but like, he's like Mr. Christian. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, you'd think he wouldn't be so scary looking then. <laughs> Maybe it's all a ruse. Who can we blame? Like, who do we blame? Who do you blame in your life? Normally, it's like the ex-wife, right? Isn't that who people normally blame? We're in a bar. Someone in here is probably blaming their ex-wife right now. We just, we need an out. Yeah, I can't I mean, pick any one of them. I, I think we're going to be getting to more of Mike McCarthy in a moment. So hang tight, Bryce, and, and we'll see. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about him in a few questions. He, he's the ex-wife right now. <laughs> From Samuel Shear on Twitter, why don't the Packers use their depth at tight end more? That's because we haven't found the proper glue that's tacky enough to hold 800 pounds, sensitive to human flesh, but whose binding can withstand the physicality of the game and profuse sweat that is created when you Frankenstein one decent tight end out of the hands and height of Graham, the run blocking of Lewis, the youth of Tanyan, and the Lance Kendricksness of Lance Kendricks. <laughs> It's like that's what we like. They would all go together to make a really great tight end, but that's why we're not using them. They're not right where they're at in their careers right now. It's it's deeper, but it, it it we'd have to put them all together to have a great tight end. Yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Graham is fine. Uh, I don't think I'm finding too many flaws in his game per se. Uh, maybe not the player he once was. Um, but the, the and, and I do wish that the Packers would slightly use Mercedes Lewis a little bit more. He did he have his, a pass. He caught his first we, pass of his Packers career. We should have party favors. <laughs> yeah. Like when that happened, I was like, <laughs> I did take my pants off. I'm not gonna lie. You're lucky I wasn't here. But you know, Lance Kendricks, like he could be the next person, like the Packers cut or trade away or whatever. And I, I don't think anybody's going to lose any sleep over yeah, that. No. Well, he'll, he'll he'll accidentally spit in the next game and get traded to the Titans. I, I expected more out of Lance Kendricks. I am disappointed in what he's provided the Packers in two years. I thought he would be better. And Tanya, after his running into the kicker, he's probably not going to be seeing any more playing time anytime soon that, after that boneheaded play. I think that was... I, I get it. It should have been a five-yard yeah, penalty it, as opposed to the 15, but it, he still ran into him. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not going to fault him too much for trying to make a play. You know, there, with the number of plays that I watched this last week where guys didn't have their head in the game, you know... I'm not going to fault the guy for trying, and yeah, I mean, it, was, it was a it was a bonehead play, but I'm not going to I'm not losing any sleep over that one. Um, from Alex Talich on Twitter, and, and Alex is not the only one who asked a version of this same question. 
If you had to pick the Packers' vacant head coaching position next year, who's on your short list? I'm not going to get any friends from this answer, but when I was a child, I thought Lindy and Fonny was a married couple. I thought it was Linda pronounced with the Wisconsin drawl and the actual man that you saw on the sideline in Fonty. And the fact, the, the fact that Linda was never seen didn't really confuse me because I just figured she was baking or making the bed. A- anyway, so I was always really impressed, even as a child, by such a respectable decision, you know? Like, and so I'm backing Julie and Mark Einfeld for our next head coach. We'll go 2-14, and 14, but we'll learn that there are more important things than winning, like raising respectable citizens. <laughs> okay. That's my answer. <laughs> Linda and Fonty. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, what, what is this? I, is it a foregone conclusion already that Mike McCarthy's gone, first of all? I think it is. I don't think it should be. Yeah. I think he's gone. Yeah, it, it's tough. To, I think he should be gone. That doesn't mean, per se, Mark Murphy thinks he should be gone, who is the guy pulling the trigger. Okay. Why do you think he... And I'm not, I'm not totally disagreeing with you, but why do you think it's, it's time for McCarthy to go? You saw it this past week, like zero creativity yeah. from Packers offense that has enough weapons that it should be dangerous. And here the Patriots just run like double passes and, and flea flickers like it's nothing. Right. And, and they catch players out of position. And we're getting to the point where we don't have as much to lose. You know, when you really, (laughs) we're not playing with the lead. We're not playing with, uh, you know, games up. Like, we're trying to gain ground here. We need to play with a little urgency. So I I agree with that. Which means Mike McCarthy's go-to trick play is coming soon. The open the second half with an onside kick. Or the first half. That seems like his big bag of tricks. Like snooze. That's <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What is that? Let's like the equivalent. Because he's 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 one of those. He's in corduroy pants, sipping ginger ale in my head. You know, that's how conservative he is. Like, how do you spike ginger ale like with a little <laughs> little kick of I don't even know what you put in it. I like Not bourbon hot, with ginger little, ale. Little bourbon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if I had to, you know, I analyze. You know, I watch the Packers closely. The rest of the NFL, not so much. But if there was a college coach out there that I thought might be material for the Green Bay Packers, it would be David Shaw of Stanford. If we were to actually like answer this question, like we've been dancing around it for a while. Yeah, and mostly because I yeah, like like you're saying, I don't pay any attention to the college game. That now now everybody knows. Like I'm totally ignorant. But like, so I can't pick a. Uh, a coach there, and it's also really hard to pick a coach out of college. Yeah, it's hard to point at one and be like, he's going to be successful. Yeah, you know, we just watched Chip Kelly explode in, <laughs> yeah, in Philly I mean, and, and a lot of other things. It's a gamble. There, there are very few sure things anytime you pick a oh, head yeah, coach. Yeah, right. <laughs> any head coach. So, and I, so I don't know of a of a college one, and I don't see any openings. Yeah. I honestly don't know who the sh- hot shot offensive coordinators are. I'd like to think that defensive coordinator. Mike Pettin actually maybe considered for this job. Yeah, this quickly? Or is that too quick to you? I mean, I kind of y- want you him only to have one choice. I, I mean, if the Packers part ways with Mike McCarthy, I, I mean, it might be 10 years till you hire another coach. So, I mean, like, you got to consider him now or never. The problem sometimes is if you take a coach that's focused on something like that and then you put him in charge of the team. 
then he loses that his focus on what he's really good at. Yeah. And then maybe the defense suffers. You know, like so maybe we just got a defensive coach that's really going to be able to pull some strings. Let's not draw him away from his. Well, baby. there's no guarantee. Like the next head coach is going to keep Mike Patton. That's I, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. So I mean. A lot, a lot of things to consider there. We just um, had some good uh, banter there. Yeah. That was, <laughs> wow. I'm, impre- I'm, imp- I'm, I'm impressing myself. Can we, we can pat ourselves on the back on here, right? The, the show is almost over All anyway. All the Mormons so, are I done mean, listening. Every, everybody tuned out for our great analysis. Yeah. Dang it. Pr- predictions for Week 10, Packers versus Dolphins? Snooze. We're going to win. It's going to be boring. Uh, Yankee was right on. Watch for where. Um, that's definitely... Wait. Uh, Wake, sorry, we're not aware. Um, and uh, I think that's the same thing to look at on the other side of the ball is I think the, the Dolphins' right side of the line is, is weak. Maybe we can get a pass rush. The Dolphins are not good. Man, I watched them play the they Jets. They have a winning record. Sure. <laughs> I, but, man, they did not look so high. Brought Osweiler and Frank Gore. Like, this is like their team is made up of of the players that you you get when you auto draft, you forgot to get on your draft. Like that's what the <laughs> Dolphins are right now. Like if we don't beat the Dolphins, oh man, we're gonna have to we're gonna become the suicide prevention hotline on here. <laughs> that team we need I, to beat. I, I feel like I've seen this enough in seasons past where the Packers are just kind of languishing at midseason, and all of a sudden they'll like go on a run to like make it competitive late in the year, and I feel like. This is the type of game they can, they can win. They're at home. They're coming off a few losses. They're desperate. I mean, our whole schedule is is like that right now. From here on out, like, it's winnable games. Yeah. You know, like, this one's more winnable than most. The Cardinals, is. we might as well chalk that one up as a victory right now. <laughs> but on the road in Seattle is not going to be easy. True, true. No, there's gonna, I mean, there are some that are, like, the Vikings and the Bears aren't, aren't gimmies, but they're winnable games. Yeah. I think I think the the Seahawks is a winnable game. Yeah, um, I, I'm really looking forward to the Seahawks game because I think if they lose that one, the season's over. I mean, if they lose this one, the season's over. You, but I feel they can win this one. When we say the season's over, do we mean they don't make the playoffs? Is yeah, that, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. If we don't win this one, season's over. Like I could see them like winning this one, going on a run. I, we've seen it in the past. I'm not saying it's like a given, but they've done it. I don't see a run coming. I see, if anything, the, the division just keeps to struggling and, and we sn- slip in. We'll see. This is going to be a snooze, though. This is diphenhydramine in three-hour three football form. <laughs> Get ready to watch some three-yard runs. <laughs> you like high school football? Come on, give Aaron Jones a little bit more credit than no, that. Aaron Jones is—he's a spark plug. I'm glad that nobody's calling for his head after one one bad play. <laughs> yeah, he finally has a bad play, and everybody just forgives him because he's averaging like six yards a carry. Yeah, thank goodness he did it again. Like the guy's average rush is incredible. Yeah, I think it was the first fumble of his NFL career, if I'm correct. So. I, I guess it, it's going to happen sometime. He probably just wanted to know what it felt like. You know, <laughs> it was like the whole Garden of Eden thing. Like, <laughs> On behalf of everybody here at Beer Rock, I'm Brian Kiribu, joined by Ben Hofferman. Thanks so much for talking, uh, listening us 
to us talk football here today. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks to everyone at B-Rock for coming out and listening to us. We leave you today with a song called Tinderbox by String Cheese Incident on Sci Fidelity Records. See you later. Go, pack, go. Rock on, Mormons. Yeah.